Just like the first disciples, teach us to pray should be eagerly and always on the lips of every follower of Jesus. I'm Luke Heisler. This is the Teach Us to Pray podcast. I've been taking another look at the ways I was taught to pray over the past year and a half or so. I'm wanting to continue and deepen that journey for myself and provide a kind of roadmap for others on the way. And so, this is a limited exploration through Christian prayer, where we'll take a look at the different marks of a prayerful life, talking with some friends about what it means to pray until we become prayer. In these conversations, we'll be trying to break prayer down to its most basic form, communion of the mind with God, learning together how to become people marked by the presence of God in both the secret place and the public square. Thanks for listening. Let's dive in. Hey, welcome to the Teach Us to Pray podcast. Um, this first episode, I'm really excited for this series. Um, today, I'm going to be talking with a good friend of mine. Um, John Martinez is his name. He's a student uh, at the school that I go to, um, the university. And um, yeah, uh, we're just going to be talking a little bit about our experience with prayer growing up. Um, we kind of both come from similar yet really different um, circles, traditions um, that we grew up in. Um, and yeah, we'll just be talking about our personal journey with prayer, kind of where we were, how we were taught to pray, um, how we have shed some of those ideas and taken on new ones, um, some experiences we've had, and uh, kind of where we're at now and uh, our current curiosities uh, regarding prayer. So yeah, thanks for tuning in. I'm really excited for this conversation. Here we go. Hey, welcome to the podcast, this first episode. Wow, that's exciting. Um, I'm here today with a friend of mine, John uh, Martinez. Um, yeah, I've known him for all, really all four years of college, I think. Kind yeah. of freshman year, right. most more so bit. like sophomore year and on. And uh, now on to senior year, which is super weird. Um, but yeah, when I was thinking up this episode, I was like... Um, at one point last year, John and I sat for like four hours and just talked about prayer and, and all, all those things. And so, um, we have sort of similar experiences, but, um, they're also different enough that I think, uh, it'll provide a robust, like, like working definition, I guess, for the podcast of what prayer isn't. And then kind of when we circle back around to what is prayer in a more like concrete and, and more focused way of answering that question in a later episode, like, We'll have already addressed some of those things in this episode um, as well, which, yeah. John, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, I'm super excited for uh, for this conversation. Yeah, so I guess to get us started, um, what did prayer mean to you like five years ago? And what did prayer mean to you 10 years ago? Mm. And like, where are you at right now? Yeah, um, so I definitely just grew up in the church my entire life. I was a pastor's kid. Um, so ever since, you know, I was a baby, you know, mm-hmm. sitting at the dinner table, I was praying, um, or at least what I thought was prayer. And I would say for the majority of my life, um, it pretty much looked the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of shifted from, honestly, a ritualistic kind of thing that I just did because every 
quote unquote Christian did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say into middle school, I kind of started to pick up a little bit more on the relationship aspect of like someone's actually listening. Like this isn't just something I'm doing. Yeah. This is, you know, personal. Um, but even then, I would say it never really went beyond that. And it actually kind of regressed. Mm. Um, once I got into high school, it kind of drifted into something that I knew it needed to be deeper. And I knew that I needed to find more in it, but I wasn't. And therefore, I kind of just gave up on it. Mm. And so honestly, by the time I got into college, I was I was having an intentional prayer maybe like once a week, mm. you know, apart from like blessing the food or like right. praying with someone or in a group setting. Um, if it was my own time with the Lord, it was maybe that and even then a couple minutes. So it kind of kind of really fell off. Yeah. Um, not even yeah like that and that was like three years ago so mm. yeah what kind of brought you out of that and then like where did where did it bring you to yeah what, what's um, kind of your like how are you thinking about that now yeah so I would say two years ago um, is really after my freshman year I worked at a camp and that's really just when I caught a vision for what the Christian life could look like you know living outside of myself mm-hmm. um, for the sake of the gospel for the sake of lost souls that don't know who Jesus is, and they've never heard of him. And even if they have, they haven't really had the blessing of having a true encounter. Um, and I just saw my my life as something outside of myself. Right. Um, and so really, it was just a journey, not specifically into prayer, but into serving God and from serving him to loving him. And from loving him, that's kind of been the thing that's brought me to where I am now um, in prayer. And for a long time, it it was still difficult to really understand um, the weight of it and the Mm -hmm. significance of it. But I think slowly through returning into this um, relationship with God, I started to, a lot of it was just journaling my my thoughts down, Mm -hmm. my prayers down. That was something that actually really helped make it more, I just had a hard time concentrating. And it it helped it become more conversational. Like these are my thoughts, this is what I'm telling you. Um, And I could pray through that more easily. Um, But I think a big thing for me was my view of God. It was more of a, almost like a distant or sovereign being that wasn't necessarily personal in the mm. sense of fatherly. Yeah, You know, he was more of a uh, a Lord mm. and, and someone that I should obey because he, he knows the best for me. But it never was, I guess, it was never like for my own sake, for me personally, for, for me to have this joy, this life that's abundant, mm-hmm. which Jesus comes to offer. Um, and I would say through reading, honestly, multiple books through getting to a point that I was trying to please this sovereign Lord figure that I had in my head that I got so burnt out that I, I was kind of forced to slow down. Mm. And in that process, the Lord just brought me into this season of without being able to do anything for him, I just had to be his child. Yeah. And I realized the significance of that. Um, and I think a couple books that really helped with that was first gentle and lowly helped me see the father's heart and jesus's heart Mm. with just the tenderness that he has for me and that was something that i really didn't grow up believing and then after that i read i reread a book called abba's child Mm. and it's all about what is our deepest identity Mm. as the children of god and and it wrecked me Mm. um and really, I would say ever since then, I've been going to this journey, really searching 
like what is prayer and what does it mean that we have communion with him like yeah. what does it mean that the spirit within me is crying out abba father mm. you know yeah um and it's way different than than when i grew up hearing um or doing mm. and it's still a journey that i'm very very much at the beginning stages of yeah i, I same i think i i definitely similarly to you i grew up um with just a, a very I am really hesitant to say a simplistic view of prayer because I think a simplistic view of prayer is a good view of mm, prayer, yeah. but with a really, I guess, undeveloped or immature or skewed, however you want to tee that up view of prayer. Um, mostly the way I thought of prayer, I think was very transactional. So like if I want mm, yeah, something, yeah. I pray for it. If my, like, transactional in the sense of like trivial things like, Hey, uh, help us have enough money to go to Disney or Hey, like help my grandfather not like die from this cancer. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And so when one would happen and the other wouldn't happen, um, or just like when the trivial thing would happen even, Mm -hmm. and the serious thing wouldn't happen, that really compounded to give me such a, a incorrect, unhealthy view of God, exactly like you were mm-hmm. saying, like this far off being that will maybe hear my prayers if I pray them fervently enough or loud enough or over and over and over again enough um, and not a God who was in me, mm-hmm. who like Augustine, St. Augustine has this great line where he says, um, uh, you were within me and I was without myself. I was outside of myself. Um, and that's just Mm. all through high school. That's how I was thinking of prayer is like, I've got to find God searching for God somewhere out there, somewhere outside of myself with my prayers, with my thoughts when really, um, and Martin Laird, he's a, a a great, um, he's a priest and a a scholar and he wrote an amazing book, three amazing books on prayer. I've only read one of them, um, into the silent land. Mm. Um, he says he he really riffs on this idea that is kind of from now and kind of from some of the patristics um, that like God is at the very ground of our being. So I'm way out here floating up in the sky um, and God is already shining through my eyes as Martin Laird puts it uh, as Martin Laird put it in an email to me when I asked him to be on this podcast. He was like, I'm going to have to turn it down, but I want to encourage your practice. Um, great guy. Super cool. Um, Yeah. How do you, I want to go back to, um, you said like growing up, you didn't really have a tender view of God. Um, how did that affect your, your prayer life as like a kid? Like, I think the prayers of kids are so Mm, interesting because they start really, really like they start really good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and now sort of at, at that maybe tail end and the very beginning of this, like two years journey that I've been taking, like, um, I feel like a kid again w- nice. in the ways that I pray. Yeah. Um, but I think because they're so simple, they're also so easily like molded. So how do you think those ideas that kind of cropped up about like God as distant, not seeing God as tender, not realizing him as father impacted the ways that you prayed? Mm. Yeah, I think inevitably that leaves you to pray to almost like a supplier, mm. you know, um, like I think 
I was told enough to pray for things that we either needed or yeah. wanted to where I didn't doubt that those things could happen, um, especially with a young faith. But I think I never really saw it as like his joy to mm. give me those things, yeah. you know? And so really what was most effective was not necessarily like what I was asking for, but my yeah. my my view of him, my relationship with him in, in doing so. Mm. Um, prayer was never really, and this is, this is the most impactful thing I think I've learned. Prayer was never really about being with him. It was just like, what can I get from this? Mm, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, and that's and that's that quote that I was talking about. I don't want to butcher it, but when I was reading, I was child. That's like that's what it said: is prayer is essentially the expression of our heart longing for love. Yeah, it is not so much the listing of our requests, but the breathing of our deepest request to be united with God as fully as possible. Um, and it honestly didn't take. It took a lot of years and a lot of introspection to realize that. My deepest desire, after years and years of ask, asking so many different things, was really to be seen, mm. you know, to be known and to be loved. Yeah. In, in my brokenness, in my failures, in my successes, you know, to be fully experienced and yet to be delighted in. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the longing of every child, you yeah. know. And that's that child heart in us that um, if that doesn't get met, even at a young age, like psychology shows us, there mm. are there are effects, ripple effects that go on for the rest of your life. Yeah, And so I think that has been both the hardest restructuring of prayer for me, but also the most rewarding mm. is seeing him not simply as this God who can provide and chooses to every once in a while, but as a father who delights to provide for his mm-hmm. children. But really... Even though he delights to provide, it's not about the things he can give. Yeah, it's about getting him, yeah. and you hear that said all the time. You know, it's not about the gifts; it's about the giver. But that that couldn't be more true, right? Um, and even the idea of just calling him the giver is you lose it. He's like, it's it's not just this giver; uh-huh. he's your father. Uh-huh. You know, um, and that's that's really a beautiful thought. Yeah, I love that. Um, idea of like prayer as an expression of our love and our desires mm-hmm. and that's really really good um sort of the the working like maybe little line i'm trying to get to the heart of through this podcast of like is prayer really this um i think it is but maybe i'll discover that it isn't mm-hmm. um by the end of all of this um augustine again i, I really like saint augustine he's pretty cool um he says he defines prayer as communion of the mind with God, mm. uh, communion of the heart with God, yeah. communion of the mind with God, um, um, similar ideas. But I think that's so good. And I think that's like, right. What, um, well, I, I guess you mentioned before that isn't Brendan Manning. That's yeah. someone else, um, that he's trying to give credit to, but yeah. I guess you couldn't find who it was. Right. Um, that's all right. But, um, <laughs> in Abba's child, that's, that's great. Why do you think, why do you think prayer is so hard for people? Like, why do you think it takes, like, the this, like, genuinely, like, I hate that this word has a bad connotation, but genuinely a deconstruction of how we were taught mm. to pray <laughs> to arrive to a place where we can start to learn again? Yeah. No, that's such a good question. Um, I think you nailed it on one is a big aspect is we haven't been taught in the first place. Mm. You know, the disciples themselves had to ask Jesus, like, teach us to pray the way that John the Baptist teaches his disciples. And um, 
there is an aspect that we, we have to, this isn't something that you just, you're not born with it. Yeah. It's not like an instinct that we just have. Now, a longing for God, I think is there, but yeah. how to commune with this said God, like, mm. I wouldn't say that's naturally there, um, especially to do it in, with the correct view of him, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's what you have in history is like all these different views of gods and it, it gets butchered. Yeah. No one can imagine the God of the Bible. And so in order to correctly approach him and, and be united with him, we have to have a model. Mm. Um, and I think Jesus is ultimately the example of that. Obviously, he is for everything else. Uh, but I think specifically for our day and age, alongside that, that makes it even harder, uh, apart from we don't really know how to do it, is the culture we're in and the yeah. society we're in. Um, whether that's because of busyness or hurry, which kind of tie into each other, or this this age of distraction, mm. um, our attention. Well, this is this is a huge part of it. Our attention span is continuously getting shorter and shorter, yeah. and the reality is, is prayer takes time, mm. and a lot of times, it takes what feels like boring time, and we, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and we live in a society where, honestly, we're hardly ever bored. Yeah, if we're waiting in line, we're on our phone. Um, if we're on a drive through waiting for the car in front of us like we're on our phone or we're talking with someone and there's always a million things happening uh-huh. in our head um and we've lost the honestly the spiritual discipline of silence mm. um of this idea of this internal rest that comes from an external you know yeah. rest from the things around us um whether that's social media or games or whatever it is that's causing our minds to engage in something and so i think it's almost Re- the reality is, is that is a drug. Yeah. Our society is on that. Our society is on hurry and on busyness. Mm. And detoxing off anything is hard. It's mm. difficult. And it requires a, a death to self. Um, and no one naturally wants to do that. Mm. And I think that is the difficulty is it takes time. It takes this death to self. And a lot of times we're too impatient to yeah. do that. Because in our society, everything is about speed. You know, you order an Amazon, it takes two days. If it takes longer, it's like, mm-hmm. why? You know, yeah. you have microwavable food and we have fast food and mm-hmm. everything is instant. And information, you, you have like all we could ever want to know. Right. With, like on our hands, which is crazy, which is awesome. And it can yeah. be a blessing, but it can also be a curse. Yeah, know? right, right. <laughs> like many things. And uh-huh. I think um, I think that is one of the things. And, and Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John yeah. Mark Comer, is incredible with that was one of the books that like helped me understand that of mm. I am honestly like on a drug mm. and I haven't realized it, but we kind of all are. Yeah. And, and it takes a really, really strong will to fight against that. Yeah. That book really was the first time I like kind of realized the detriment of hurry, I guess, mm. you know, um, to use his language. Um, and it is like, it is about slowing down rich Viodas, who's like kind of a contemporary of John Mark. They're like friends. Yeah. Um, he wrote an amazing book called the deeply formed life. And in there, and we're going to talk about this later more in depth, like in there, um, he kind of talks about the contemplative tradition and what contemplative mm-hmm. prayer is. And, um, that literally is the most boring thing in the world. Like even to me who, um, have been like, I've been trying my hand right. at practicing that for a <laughs> while now, still super boring. Yeah. Um, but he's like, Hey, like a minute, two minutes, that's a win yes. in, in the beginning. Um, and I'm still very much, very much in the beginning of that. Um, 
But I think I think it is. I think you nailed it right on the head. Prayer is hard because we want what we want when we want mm-hmm. it. And whether we're doing sort of contemplative prayer where we're trying to focus our awareness on the fact that God loves us mm-hmm. and yeah. that we love God, or we are praying for someone else, right? Intercession, yeah, petition. Exactly. Um, both of those things require waiting um, yeah. and silence and stillness um, in one way or another. And I think we just don't want to do that, like yeah. put very simply. Um, that's good. How do you think, um, kind of going off of that, like how do you think that our views of prayer trickle out into that culture like as we like live a prayerful life and as we like and maybe that's bad views of prayer or maybe that's good views of prayer mm-hmm. like how does that affect the way we think about ourselves and others and god and the, the culture that we're in so how does prayer affect the culture or how does culture affect our prayer life i guess how does our view of prayer okay. whether good or bad affect culture and, okay. and our view of God and our view of people. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think um, a simple way of putting it, I think if you have a healthy view of prayer, that will affect the culture that you're in. Hmm. And if you have a poor view of prayer or poor practice of prayer, yeah, your culture is going to affect it. Um, and by that, I mean, if we are living in this culture and it's super fast and it's super immediate gratification um, and everything is given to us immediately when we want it, mm-hmm. then that's ultimately going to trink- trinkle into our prayer life. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be the same sense of like, well, I have like a minute to pray, so I'm just going to pray really fast. And I told these people I'm going to pray for them, so I'm just going to rattle them off. And, yeah. you know, like hopefully the Lord listens. And then like if nothing happens, I'm kind of disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of dependent on, well, what do you view prayer as? Mm-hmm. But if you have... I would say a healthy view, um, and you realize that it is more about who you're spending time with, mm-hmm. and it's more about being honestly this slow approach and this awareness of the fact that you're talking to the God of the universe, mm-hmm. right? Who's also your Father and loves you and wants to spend time with you, um, who we get to worship and praise, and we get to ascribe the glory due to His name, and prayer becomes honestly the center of our being. Mm-hmm then it can't help but trinkle into everything else mm. we do, including into maybe not the, the culture at large, but the culture that we interact with. Yeah. And so in a world that's fast-paced, um, in a world that expects everything handed to them, in a, in a world, honestly, that when difficulties arise, we crumble, mm. um, we could be an example of what it looks like to be slow, to be people of love and joy and peace. Yeah. And to be walking, really, to be walking temples of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. which is what we're called to be. Right. And that, I think that truly would be so drastic that it would change the culture. Yeah. If if the body of Christ could walk in the Spirit the way we're called to and reflect the fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, mm-hmm. patience, meekness, self-control, and um, the other two, it really would be so radical mm-hmm. that the culture would have to respond to it. Yeah, right. Because right. we wouldn't be influenced by it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would say that's kind of how, depending on whether you have, you know, a good view of prayer and a healthy view of God um, or not, that's kind of how either you affect culture or it affects you. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think someone who puts that, like, so beautifully um, is Brother Lawrence in his little book, mm-hmm. um, 
It's not really his book. It's a bunch of letters he wrote that right. all of his friends made into a book, The Practice of the Presence of God. And, and he talks about how prayer is an awareness of that fact that we are the temple mm. of the Holy Spirit and that it is an awareness and a, um, this is really Eastern language, but like a meditation into the indwelling of God yeah. in us. Um, which I think is great. He wrote this little poem at the beginning of his book that says, um, Oh God of pots and pans and things, mm. make me a saint by making meals and cleaning up the dishes or something like that. Yeah. Um, which I think is so good. And, and is such a testament to like, if we have a healthy view of prayer, there's never a time that we will not be doing it. Mm, yeah. It's so good. And that includes washing the dishes or like whatever, you know, insert, mundane menial task here um yeah that's huge i think i think maybe to start wrapping us up like what are some what are some misconceptions or harmful thoughts about prayer that maybe you have had or that like you just see like in general kind of in our little christian bubble here at our uh christian university yeah yeah for sure um I would say one is already this this idea of, and it's not wrong. I don't want to say it's wrong. This idea, yeah. And I think to preface like this, I think this conversation, these conversations, all of these have uh, a way maybe to get away from us and sound a little more pious than we're right. reading them. Um, I don't know how to pray. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the point of this podcast. I think um, I think everyone should always be a student of prayer. Someone sometime, I forget who it is, it might have been Dallas Willard, maybe G.K. Chesterton said, when it comes to prayer, we should always all be novices Mm. or something like that. Um, And I think that is true. And that's definitely the posture I'm trying to take very intentionally. So I don't want piety to come out of this. Um, But at the same time, I think there is a discernment and a wisdom to recognizing um, because I was ingrained for so long in a very transactional, very rigid, cold, and honestly dead way of viewing what prayer is, what communion of God is. Um, there is a responsibility now that I'm maybe more on the other side of that than I was two or three years ago to explore the other, Mm, other ways that prayer might be not great. So I like that clarification, like not, maybe not bad. Um, because I don't know. I, I, that's just tricky and, and a little bit of thin ice. So yeah. I just yeah. wanted to, yeah. Yeah. And, and I would say um, with that is something that I see that's almost at the forefront of our prayer. And honestly, something we're really good at is the idea of intercessory prayer, mm. um, of coming before on, the, on behalf of others um, into the presence of God and lifting him up. And I would say something that we also focus on. Honestly, we have all these acronym acts, pray, yeah. you know, like praise, repent, um, mm. ask and yield and all these different ideas and there's different structures and, and they're healthy and they're based um, off scripture a lot of times. But what I've noticed is a lot of times when people think of prayer in of itself, they think of the listing of requests before yeah. God. It's almost like inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, not often do they think of adoration and praise or these other aspects um, and just sitting in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would say that, at least for me, that that is at least one area where I would say even even in the Lord's prayer before He starts getting to the asking aspect, which is in the second half. Yeah. First, He acknowledges His Father, right? Mm. Um, and 
before that he he glorifies him he mm. he sets him as holy right yeah. that idea of hallowed be your name um and i think that is something i've been trying to practice is before i come into his presence with intercession and with these requests that are good and he wants us to ask is first become aware of what we're doing mm. and if you never th- this is what i would say if we never list the requests if we never get to the intercession aspect but we get a proper view of what we're doing when we pray mm-hmm. and a proper understanding of the access and the communion that we have with God in that moment, that would be far more powerful and effective than if we didn't do that mm. and we just got to the request. Yeah. Um, and I think that ties down to kind of a second aspect of prayer that, I, that I've been really significantly impacted over the last couple of months and I'm really trying to work on. It. And I, I kind of like we said, I'm a novice. I have no idea. Mm what it looks like, but I've seen it in the culture that I've grown up in, and I've seen it in myself, is this idea of when we do make requests unto God, what is our faith looking like in mm-hmm. that? And so I think something that's really hard for a lot of people, and, and this is something obviously to address another time, is like, what about unanswered prayer? You know, mm-hmm. if this is something so important, so significant, so powerful, like we're petitioning the hand of God, the divine, mm-hmm to literally interact with the mundane and the ordinary yeah. and the seemingly, you know, non-important. Right. Um, that's huge and that's powerful. And, and scripture all over makes it seem like that actually happens. Mm-hmm. Like when we actually come before the Father, he listens and he responds. And and so you're left with this, like, why, why don't you see it? And at least something that I've been convicted on is I, I don't see myself praying with the faith that the prophets prayed with. Mm. I don't see myself praying with the faith that the disciples prayed with in the early church. Um, and, and a passage that I really actually love is in Matthew 9. And you see three really famous miracles. One of them is the paralytic mm-hmm. who Jesus turns to him and says, like, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees start freaking out. And they're like, wait, who's this guy? Um, you have the woman with the bleeding disease. And you have the two two blind men, which is where we get one of our breath prayers, like, Son of David, have mercy on me. Yeah. Um, in each of those instances, right, really famous prayers. But what we see before Jesus does his miracle is that there is a faith that he notices. Mm. And so for the paralytic, he says, upon seeing their faith, he turns to the paralytic and yeah. says, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Mm. Um, and then with the woman with the bleeding disease, this is and this is kind of tangent, but it goes on to That's say good. is... What you see in this interaction is Jesus walking through a crowd. Tons of people are touching him. Yeah, Tons of people are apparently close to him, right? Mm. Um, and yet there's only one that actually gets to interact with him the way he's capable of being interacted right. with. And what is the difference? It's not in the Jesus, right? He's the same. He's available just as much to the woman as to everybody else. What sets her apart is her faith. And what we see is when he tells her to go her way, he says again, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Hmm. And obviously she was incapable of healing herself, but it's according to her faith that Jesus' power responded to it. And then with the last example, you know, the the two blind men, he he invites them to this house and they enter it. And he asks them, you know, ironically, like, what do you guys want me to do? And they, they ask him, to give him sight, and what he says is, according to your faith, be it done to you. 
mm-hmm. and then they receive their sight. Mm-hmm. And and I just remember reading those <laughs> and reading that chapter and and thinking if I if my prayers were answered according to my faith, to be honest, I don't think they'd be answered. Yeah. Um and that's that's wrecked me. Yeah. And that's something that I'm trying to figure out now is what what do I have to do um in order to build my faith? And part of that is just asking. And and not in this chapter is when you know you have that famous of like, I I do believe, but help my unbelief. Mm. And and that's kind of where I find myself now. Talk about a breath prayer. <laughs> yeah, you know. And that's that is where I find myself. Yeah. Like, I, I honestly a lot of times I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. There is nothing that I can come up with, but I know that I'm not alone in that. Yeah. And that really comforts me. And I also know that he does hear me and he mm-hmm. does care for me. And like any father, um, he would want his son to have faith that he's going to come through right. with the things that he needs and wants. And so that's kind of where I find myself now is realizing that our faith, I would say, at least from what I've seen, isn't where it should be. Hmm. Um, and it isn't where it was yeah. for them. And I think that can be a big reason for our lack of prayer. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, we'll be, I'll be doing an episode on um, intercessory prayer and prayer petition um, and another episode on lament and mm. unanswered prayer and uh, um, repentance. And then our last episode is on uh, the Lord's Prayer. So, mm, yeah, so kind of everything you just hit um, for sure. Yeah, I think, um, I just think the ways that we think about those things are just a little bit off the ways that I think about those things yeah. are just a little <laughs> bit off. Yeah. Um, and what's, yeah. Uh, John Mark again, we keep talking about him, but he's a cool guy. Yeah, he is. Um, John Mark in St. Augustine, right. Um, he said this one time, I forget where it was, where I heard this might've been a podcast. Um, he said that most of the time when he has people come to like ask for prayer for healing, he'll ask them like, Hey, have you prayed? Have you asked God to heal you? Mm. And he said, most of the time the answer is no. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like That's so good. how, <laughs> how often do we ask people to pray for us? E- even just this in the sense that like our faith, my faith is not even strong enough that I can go before God mm. and ask him, not that I can, but that I would, right? Yes, we always yeah, can, yeah. no matter the amount of faith that we have. Right. Um, but my lack of faith is, is I'm telling myself that I can't, right? Right. And I wouldn't, that I won't. Right. And so I don't. Um, yeah. And uh, I think Henry Nowen, again, talks about how so often we, we, pray so fervently for our circumstances to change, for God to deliver us from suffering, even for us to feel God's presence tangibly in the midst of our suffering. But we don't pray for the faith that we would continue mm-hmm. on despite our suffering. And I read that uh, a couple weeks ago, and that just absolutely wrecked me. Um, That's good. And uh, yeah, lately, for sure, I, I am right with you. Like my liturgy before praying is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, um, which is good and also so tough yeah. um, <laughs> that like I just have to keep coming back right. to that. Um, but then that's getting into grace and all these different things that um, this is not a podcast about. Yes. <laughs> so unfortunately, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, this conversation was great. Um, yes, definitely so an amazing way to kick off the, uh, the pod. And I'm super excited for this, super expectant. And, uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Um, I loved it. Great talking. So and I think you have a lot of wisdom here, but yeah. Uh, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Teach Us to Pray podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and share it with your friends. We hope this conversation was helpful to you and to your practice of prayer. If you missed any of the other ones, you can go back and listen wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you back here next week with a new guest and a new topic. Thanks again. Bye.